Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 121, and it is How Porn Affects Your Relationship. Okay, so we've done a couple of episodes over the years here on the Love Lab that involve porn. And before we tackle that subject at all, I always have to say, we're not 100% against porn. We're not trying to demonize porn for the, you know, the half of the listeners out there that are like, well, there's nothing wrong with porn. You know, you guys are crazy or something like that. What we do advocate for always is responsible use, just like alcohol can get out of hand. You know, drugs can get out of hand and there's people that can use those things responsibly. We kind of feel the same way about porn. It, it has a place sometimes and it can be used irresponsibly and cause damage. And it's important to talk about both sides of that issue. Okay, <laughs> now that we've got that out of the way, <laughs> um, it's going to be a fun episode because we haven't actually covered this part of it. We've talked about it. From, a, from our own sort of perspective and angle, but we have not had somebody who has actually experienced what we're going to talk about today. And that's the really cool part is we have somebody today that can share their firsthand experience with this. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited. I've been like looking forward to today's episode. I'm sure we're going to get so much value about from it. And so buckle up, you're in for a treat. So first, let's give a big shout out to our sponsors, Power and Mastery. So if you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed, then check out Power and Mastery at powerandmastery.com. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men, whether you want to have harder erections, last longer, or increase your sexual skills, there is something for you at powerandmastery.com. Today, we have a special guest. Let me read his bio because just the bio in itself, I was like, wow, I've got so many questions. So we have Bill Renshaw. He is a recovered porn and sex addict, 35 and 24 years respectively. He stopped porn and masturbation on March 21st, 2017 at the age of 45. Well, congratulations, Bill. Shortly after, he became addicted to opioids and then cocaine. He then dedicated himself to stopping the cycle once and for all. It was then that he developed a system of remaining porn-free for life. Since he stopped porn, his life has transformed. He has been awarded free Emmy, produced an award-winning documentary short film, became financially independent, and most of all, he has found the love of his life and is now engaged. Ooh, I love this. Today, Bill coaches men the seven disciplines he used to quit, for, to quit porn for life and achieve their ultimate potential and success in their life. Wow. Welcome, Bill, to the Love Love Podcast. Wow, thank you so much. I really appreciate that introduction. I even um, uh, I enjoy hearing that as well. I was like, wow, is that me? Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, none of it none of it is expected as we all as we all know, life turns out in ways that we never expect. I never expected to be doing what I'm doing now and to be able to do so and help men that have had this challenge that are afflicted with it. Um, I'm being beyond humbled. I, I say so many times I had um, um, it wasn't regret, but I had resentment for many years, the porn use that I had. But once I was able to overcome all of this, all that resentment, literally within a day, and I figured out that this is what I want to do, became gratitude. And so it just, 
just blessed. So if I tear up talking about it, uh, that you know that that might happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. all good. We like <laughs> yeah. it raw here. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, raw and real. So we're going to dive right in. And our first question, actually, there's a there's a part of this question that is already sort of foreshadowed in your bio, in your mm-hmm. intro. So I have a pretty good idea that you're going to have a good answer for this one. Yeah. So we did an episode, a prior episode on is porn addiction real? And in that episode, we were talking back and forth about, okay, is it really porn or is it addiction in general? And we kind of were batting back and forth different ideas. And so the question to you is, is porn addiction real and what's your take on it? Yeah, great question. I get this is probably the number one question I get asked a lot. And legally, porn is actually not listed as an addiction. There's the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic Statistics Manual, um, written by uh, behavioral specialists and psychologists that list all of the addictions that are out there. Porn is not on that list. And for other reasons, which I don't want to take up on the time why it's not, but there are many that are very uh, close in resemblance, such as Online gaming is the number one that is probably closely related to porn um, that does make the list of an addiction. Um, But to your point, really, an addiction is an addiction is an addiction. And porn, even though it's not listed, as I say, if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, it's an addiction. And it really works in the brain center. And that was the piece that finally took me to understand how to overcome it is scientifically, what is it really doing to my brain and the parts of the brain that is making it so hard to overcome and even other men so hard to overcome. And is what made me really want to understand that is once I stopped porn for good, and we can get into the reasons like what the motivation behind that was. But then, as you mentioned in my bio, I was uh, in an instance where I had to start taking opioids for, from a car accident and a surgery, got addicted to opioids. Never in my life had I been addicted to any type of a substance. And so I worked with my doctor to get off of that and also used the techniques I used to get off of porn. And then shortly after that, the workload I was on uh, uh, between you know two careers that I had, uh, filmmaking, television, sales, all these jobs together, burning the candle somebody introduced me to cocaine. I'm like, wow, you know, <laughs> that shit works, you know, but they always say the best line of Coke is the first line. And <laughs> it, you know, and that was, that was about an eight month journey of what the hell is going on? You know, it, my life was just spiraling out of control again, downward. I thought I had everything under control after getting out the porn and the opioids, things were looking great. And then the cocaine entered. And that's when I really dove in and said, you know, again, an addiction is an addiction. And I'm not on here to say that I have a a foolproof plan to quit any addictions. I don't really work with people on substances. So that's that's a great answer. And the reason I really wanted to lead with that question is because our premise when we did our previous episode was that it's not so much that it's porn, it's that Mm -hmm. it's addiction. And addiction can show up in many, many different forms. Mm -hmm. And the reason I really wanted you to talk to that point is because we could see that, you know, you had a porn addiction and then you had the substance addiction. And so what that shows is that there's an underlying addictive pattern there that uh, is working that needs to be solved. And so the main point that I would want listeners to understand is that if you are suffering from something like that, well, two things, I guess. The first one is, is that realize 
that porn can actually be addictive. If you have the type of personality where you tend to be addicted to things, whether it's you're addicted to your coffee, you're addicted to drugs or anything else, porn could be one of those things that you do get addicted to, right? So because everyone's at, it's not listed in the DSM, it's not a real thing, but it could be if you have those tendencies. And the other point that I really wanted to make from that is that how you go about treating that is more about looking at addiction than it is so much at the porn. And we're going to dive into that way more because we've got a bunch of questions on that. But yeah, those are good. just a couple <laughs> of, of things that I, that I really wanted people to get out of that first question. So a lot of people think they are in a healthy relationship with porn, but they're not. So how do you know when your relationship with porn isn't healthy? What are the signs? Oh, wow, that is, that's a great question. A lot of times people want to say, am I addicted, which goes to your previous statement. And I usually tell people, again, I'm not on a soapbox telling people not to do this. Again, look how it is affecting your life. And I always want to start addressing people who come to me or you see them and I see them on Facebook groups and the groups that I'm in um, and people looking for self-development, personal help. And they said, I've read all the books, you know, I've read all the seminars. I've gone to Tony Robbins. Um, I watch every motivational book I can every day. I watch Evan Carmichael, uh, Gary V. You know, I watch all these videos and everything, but I just can't get my life in order. I can't have that level of success that, that everybody else else is having. I have literally tried everything in the world to be successful and I can't get there. And this is how it was brought to me at one time. Somebody said, just consider the role porn is having in your life. And that's what I want to tell most people is if you've tried everything else and, and you just can't seem to get your cylinders firing uh, all at the same time, just consider the role porn is playing. The next piece of that is if you don't think you're addictive and it's just like caffeine, which is probably the other one that most people say, oh, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Just make yourself a goal just to test it out. Can you go, can you go three or four days without porn? Okay, maybe, maybe because you're busy. Can you go a week or two weeks without porn? Finally, can you go a month without watching porn? And if you absolutely cannot go a month without watching porn, that's when I say you really need to evaluate what effect is it having in your life because it has a stronghold in there somewhere and you need to evaluate what it is and what it's doing to you mentally, uh, your physiology, um, uh, motivation and everything. So I want to talk about the physiology side effect here, because that's something that we deal with a lot, where, you know, what does porn do to the body? What have you seen? Of course, I have, you know, worked with over, I don't know, 1500 men by now. So I've seen a lot of things, but I'm curious about your opinion, Bill, on what do you see porn does to the body? Yeah, me personally, and I will go off of my own personal experience that I can share what other men share with me. But number one was fatigue. Uh, just absolute fatigue, it always being tired. And a lot of that I, I, I tied to, well, maybe it's just, you know, I'm eating poorly and, and whatever it might be. But when I really stopped porn within a week, my energy levels really just started to skyrocket. And when you start understanding other, other addictions and porn specifically, because it's not a substance, but what it's doing to your brain, 
And people who are really addicted watching it every day for many hours, which wasn't specifically my case. I was more of that, no, you know, maybe pun intended, the drip, 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 you know, once a day, every couple of days. Um, but you do that over 30 years, it has a psychological effect and it was fatigue. And basically was what was happening is the dopamine levels in my brain were always running at such a higher level that anything else would be just fatigued compared to that any activities sports hobbies everything just became less interesting and boring um but your brain's always working at such a high level of, of being flushed with dopamine and the and the reuptake of that your brain mentally gets fatigued and physically gets fatigued from that i would also say um uh, uh focus ADHD was another one, um, or ADD. Again, a lot of people say, I've tried everything. I'm on medications for it. Are you watching a lot of porn? Because that's going to affect it of, of your, or of your, if your focus and attention span of, of what you're able to do. And that's also how it shows up in relationships. So that's my, maybe not as much physiology as far as mental, um, but strength you are physically weaker and a lot of people go into conversations around semen retention and they want to get, you know, to talk about holding onto your seed and your energy. Sometimes those conversations even make me go, I'm not holding onto a seed, <laughs> but maybe I am, I don't know, but I don't go down those lines, but I know personally, um, I have much more energy and strength when, when I stop masturbation and porn. Um, I want to talk about boners too, because that's one of the things that I see a lot with the people that we work with, where they see a correlation between the porn usage and their strength of their erection. And I'm curious from your perspective, uh, have you experienced that or with the men you've worked with? Is that something that you could talk about? Yeah. Bingo. You nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. That's why I went down the journey I was on. And that is the realistic how it shows up is called porn-induced erectile dysfunction. And that's what happened in my life. And through the years of porn addiction, I do list porn and sex addiction, but I usually address the porn because the porn usually leads into sex addiction. And for me, it was porn from the early ages, from age 11 up until 19 when I first had sex. And it was, it was the most unfulfilling experience that you would ever think of. And that's how a lot of people say the first time is, but I had a hard time getting erection. Um, I didn't orgasm. I felt completely out of place in that moment. Again, it's the first time it's going to be awkward, but that was my instance for the next 30 years of my life. Uh, I jokingly say I can count on one hand how many times I orgasmed from sex. Uh, I always had to finish with masturbation. So the erections weren't as much of a challenge in the beginning, but the orgasm was. And my brain, because of the triggers, the neuroplasticity of which I was trained through arousal, I was aroused through porn and visual porn, um, through TV or whatever it might be. And so the connection with an actual human being that those neural pathways of arousal eroded over time to the point where when I got inside of a relationship with a woman that I really liked, complete and utter failure uh, of the sexual desire, sexual dysfunction, everything went out the window. And that's when I realized 
after this was in my early forties, after the last failed relationship that I had, it's like, I have to figure this out because I could not have sex in the relationship. I had no sexual arousal. I couldn't get an erection. Um, in fact, I would be to the point where I would be making excuses. I'd make sure we were staying up late. We were watching TV to where the opportunity to have sex never arose. Um, there's so many puns in here that we can. <laughs> 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 so, um, and and then part of that, it, psychologically, knowing that, okay, now I'm not going to be able to perform. Now that sexual anxiety hits, and it's like a domino effect in a nanosecond that hits your brain where sexual arousal just stops. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, boner, boners, erections were impossible. So if, if you're watching this podcast on the video and not just listening on a platform, I'm like a bobblehead over here with everything he's saying. I'm going, yes, I'm shaking my head. Yes, yes, yes. Because these are all of the things that we teach people when it comes to this. I mean, you hit pretty much every one from, you know, training your body through the visual uh, response system, right? So that people watch porn, they see all these beautiful people and they have huge breasts and perfect bodies and great asses and giant genitals and all this stuff, right? And then all of a sudden the real thing is in front of you and you're like, uh, oh, there's hair, there's cellulite. Yeah. That's it, different. It <laughs> doesn't really look like what I'm used to. And then there's the there's the um, constant dopamine level that when it's not there in real life, because you're not getting that instant hit, Oh, then the erection doesn't come. And I mean, there's just, I'm not going to repeat everything you said because people right. heard it the first time, but I yeah. really wanted to say if you weren't paying attention close enough during his answer to that last question, please rewind a little bit and listen to that again mm -hmm. because it literally is everything that we tell people. If you're having a problem, this is it right here. Mm -hmm. Excellent answer to that question. Yeah. And I want to, I want to, I, I don't want to interrupt, but I piggyback on top of that. And one of the challenges that porn has, because there's a lot of people that men that I work with that are severe. And so many times when I talk to men, they are, yeah, I get it, Bill. I've watched your videos, but I don't think you really get how bad it is with me. Mm. And I, I do. I do. I mean, the rabbit holes, the, the disgusting nature of porn that's out there that men go down, it doesn't mean they're bad, but they start thinking ill of themselves and the self-worth goes down, down the tubes because they're watching all kinds of just sick, nasty, weird porn. And to the point of arousal in person is that dopamine hit, that reuptake, many people have tabs open, like several on their computer. And they're, they're watching 10, 15 second hits of porn, mm -hmm. get immediately bored with it, moving to a next one, moving to the next one. So when you think about that in real life with a human being, you can go from zero to instant arousal and in porn in the matter of seconds, where in real life, it could take a day or a week to build that arousal and that connection with someone that it's absolutely fucking boring. <laughs> boring. <laughs> so why do I want to invest that amount of time with a human being when I can get there like that? So that's mm. one of the challenges in in the uh, um, connection with with an, uh, with a partner. Yeah, and I you know I want to talk about something. This is not one of the questions that we had on here, but it was uh, something that you were just mentioning uh, a moment ago. Um, and now I've forgotten what it is. <laughs> so I gotta I gotta write actual notes when, when I'm listening right. to people. Oh no, I got it. I got it. It's back. Okay. So what it was was um, the judgment that people have. Uh, on what they're looking at, right? So this is actually an area that we haven't talked about before that I think would be good to just talk a little bit more about, which is that it's not just that they're watching porn, that they feel guilty, oh, I'm watching porn and maybe I shouldn't, or oh, I'm watching a little too much porn. But you hit on something which was 
they're going into maybe genres or subcategories of porn or looking at stuff that they themselves obviously feel is somewhat reprehensible, and then they have judgment on themselves for it. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that, because that's something we haven't covered at all. Yeah, it, absolutely. And it really opened up my eyes uh, to this, because the porn that I used to get involved in was generally like group lesbian sex. And that's about as hard as it would get, you know, maybe, you know, golden showers and stuff like that. Even then, like, okay, this is maybe drawing the edge a little bit. It's nothing I would ever do in person. Um, well, I could maybe retract that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe never sound, never found pleasure in that. Uh, but, but talking to men and the judgment, they're saying, yeah, Bill, I get it. You watch this. But after they started divulging me to the stuff that they were watching and the scary part is, and when I coach men, I have to be upfront is you can tell me anything that you've ever done or anything you've ever watched in porn. It's a safe space for me. Um, but please don't divulge anything to me that you feel like you might have done in person that could be construed as, as real illegal behavior. Hmm. Uh, because there is a, there is a crossover. And at that point in time, because I'm not a therapist, I mean, I'm just a coach. And so I'm not really bound by anything. And if somebody shares something with illegal with me, I do have a moral aptitude of saying, you know, I feel like this person is acting in such a way and, and, you know, on an extreme, this hasn't happened, but maybe rape or done something like that to somebody. Um, but for the most part, to your point, every guy I talk to, they're good. They're good, normal human beings. They don't take it to that. They're performing in their, in their life as, as normal, nice human beings, being thoughtful and gracious to other people. But when it comes to the porn, the brain just keeps that, that reuptake. And, the, and, and dopamine is it, it's always looking for faster ways for a new reward. Mm -hmm. That's what the brain does. And it's always like always niching that way. And like Pornhub and all of these other uh, X hamster, all these sites, they know it and they know what it takes. And so that's why they offer so much free porn. Everybody says, oh, there's free porn everywhere. Not a problem. So a lot of us can get used to that. But where they get you is they get you hooked on that one genre that now you have to buy a subscription and start paying for porn. That's mm -hmm. why they're making money is because they're able to find those dopamine receptors in those people where it spurs them to compulsion to want to keep going down a farther path. And so, you know, we're Pornhub now, you know, they sponsor a lot of neat events. A lot of people hold them in a high regard. They're doing education and things like that. You know, it's not like the days of Hugh Hefner and Playboy where, you know, it was a magazine and pictures. Pornhub is is deliberately trying to do good things like this, like like tobacco companies, where we're educating you on this, but we're actually going to provide you something that's doing harm to you. And so they know that when they get subscriptions, that there's just a dark, deep seated world of, of porn that is out there that men get addicted to, that is absolutely disgusting, despicable, tasteless. And then again, as you mentioned, People know it themselves. And another big one that I hear is a lot of men start reaching out to me and they start thinking, you know, I think I watch a lot of porn because maybe I think deep down I'm gay. And, you know, then they start having gay tendencies and they get aroused to men. And there's again, I have no judgment on anything in the world. I've seen it all, heard it all and done a, done a lot. Um, but a lot of men maybe even have shame around feeling gay. And I've thought maybe you are, maybe you aren't. But when you get off porn, you're going to know because it's that same thing with Pavlov's dog, is if you're watching a lot of porn, male-female porn, inherently your brain starts associating pleasure to the same sex. And so men start getting aroused uh, with, this, with, with same sex and watching men's penises or, or dicks or whatever you want to call it. 
And they so they start, there's a judgment like, God, I think I'm gay. I really think I'm gay. And they stop watching porn and those thoughts go away after a couple of months and they realize they're not. Again, no judgment if you are, mm -hmm. but that's the power of what pornography can do. It can mm -hmm. almost actually change your sexual preference. That's, to me, that's fascinating because that's actually one that I had not heard before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I used to, before Selena and I were together and I did some men's coaching, I actually had almost almost every guy that I coached, inevitably this would come up, which is, I think, why we've, and it comes up a lot with your clients too, which is, I think, why we've talked about it so much. But that is actually one aspect of it that I, I had not heard before. So that's really fascinating. So I want to dive in with how it affects relationship and all of this, but so right now we've been, it's been a little bit dark. So I want to see, like, can we bring like other actually downsides? I mean, no upsides, <laughs> other potential benefits before we go to more downsides to your relationship for using porn. Do you think there are um, any bill? <laughs> I will. Okay. Let, I, I will provide a, a light upside. Again, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't judge anybody on this. I do have my personal belief that any amount of porn in some level is doing something to your brain. It's the same as alcohol. It doesn't mean you mm -hmm. have to stop. Um, but are there things that it's doing, doing to your brain? Where I have successfully used porn um, in my own life and coached other men, when you really get to that level, what they call flatline, and that is the point when you stopped porn for good, and now your brain's kind of in this limbo. You've gone a period of time where now – you've kind of washed over that path of arousal from porn, but you haven't reassociated it to arousal with a human being. And now you're kind of in this limbo of just lack of libido mm -hmm. and sexual arousal with a person. Now there's exercises that I coach with men that you probably do uh, with a partner. And that's the other thing is for single men, it's real fucking hard because again, another pun, um, <laughs> it's real difficult because you don't know if what you're doing is working. Mm. You know, when I stopped, I was single and I did, you know, I stopped the porn, but it was after about, it took a year and a half for me to actually orgasm from sex, a year and a half after stopping wow. porn. And, but I wasn't inside of a relationship. I actually had a couple of people that I had, you know, I had um, made acquaintances with friends. That I started hooking up with again. And so I started orgasm for the first time in my life. Like, like, I'm sorry to the, to their dismay, probably quickly, but I was like, so like, is that it? I'm like, well, yes, that's it. You know, I'm out strong and they're like, okay, screw this guy. Um, or, or don't but, screw him again. Yeah. Don't screw this guy. <laughs> but that was in my brain. It's like, it took a year and a half for that type of a pleasure. So then that's what I thought, okay, I'm cured. But then I got into the relationship with my now fiance and as sure as a heck, the same thing started building up. When that real intimacy of connection with a human being started building, libido and sexual arousal just were not connected with those normal cues and triggers of say conversation, touching, teasing, those type of things. So I had to go back to the drawing board and really work on building that arousal with a human being. Now, back to your question about where porn can be healthy. Again, I don't use it in my life. If I see it, it, it causes really no stimulus to me. But I was starting to use it during that flat line with my fiance, along with other exercises, kind of like a jumpstart. Mm -hmm. um, I came downstairs, I would put it on my laptop for a little bit, get a little arousal, 
look at it. And then I would go upstairs and then be able to start associating again with, with my partner, like that Pavlov's dog, get the arousal, you know, associate it and assign it to, to a partner. But the challenge with, with porn with a lot of people in sex addiction and where that roadblock with real intimacy is, is you even, you eventually get to the point where all the, the thoughts and the pleasure of the porn dissipate, but even people will have the fantasy porn in their head. So they even remove themselves in a, in a, moment with a partner instead of connecting with them they're shutting their brain down and turning on whether it was a real life experience with someone else or porn and really concentrating on that moment in time in their brain as opposed to fully being committed with that moment with with a partner so i'm not sure if i'm making any sense on that so you're still not even connecting so you can use porn to build arousal and must and a lot of people use it as, as a tool for many ways um uh, so I, I don't know if I answer your question. Yeah, so basically I think what you're saying is you, you could potentially use it to stimulate some arousal, but you have to be careful because you can stimulate the arousal, go have sex with a partner, but still not really connect with that partner. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, could, I could see how that is potentially an issue and you would want to be very careful with how you use that for sure. Mm-hmm. The only way that I see porn that can be used in a positive way is more when the two people watch porn together and then discuss the experience, the things they've liked, especially for people who don't have the vocabulary or feel shy. It gives them a way to be like, wow, we just watched Girl on Girl. Like, how was that? Have you ever had like lesbian fantasy? And then discussing this, it brings you closer and it opens up the dialogue. And that's really the only way that... I see it as being something that could be beneficial for a relationship. Otherwise, I see more downside because it's too easy to, again, disconnect, which is always that root of the quote-unquote addiction, which is a lack of connection, whether it's connection to self or another human being. I'll tell you, you you just hit something really, really poignant right there that I, I want everybody to really understand what you just said with that. Um, and the point where it can be used, as long as it's used and you really are maybe stopping and understanding the moment and having that dialogue and connection and having a conversation around it, I feel at that point in time, it, it definitely can be a powerful tool to build a conversation and connectivity to maybe overcome some of those um, naivete or the embarrassment around it. Because generally what happens in relationships in porn is one person starts watching porn for the arousal, the partner picks up on that and does it more so, this is arousing my partner. And so the partner kind of comes along for the ride, but eventually a resentment is built in that, in that moment because the partner's like, you know, I don't really need this, but understand my partner does. So the disconnect starts happening. And at some point in time, that partner can start going down even again, bigger, deeper rabbit holes, which can turn to, um, you know, BDSM and those type of things. And the other partner, again, keeps going along for the ride, but is it into that? And so it, it, cracks the intimacy as opposed to pulling together but you nailed it if you can use it as an opportunity to really discuss what you felt what you think then there's a possibility for it being um being a positive awesome so 
we're going to do a quick break to invite our listeners. If you are a committed couple who is stuck in a rut and just growing through the daily motions instead of connecting the way you used to, and you are tired of stale mechanical sex that lacks spontaneity and fun, and you don't want to live a life of average, then Kevin and I would like to invite you to our highly sexed power couple platinum program. So give us 90 days and we will help you bring the passion back between the sheets and be synced up sexually so that you can thrive with more purpose and passion in life. So go to selinremy.com forward slash passion to learn more about our program. So there is so much. I know. I, as I was looking at the questions, I'm like, wow, man, where do we go from here? I'm, I'm thinking maybe we just jump down. So I want to talk about the situation where a lot of women get triggered because their partner are watching porn. This is something that I hear a lot, whether in the Facebook groups that I'm in or people and like, he watches porn. So they ever get angry or put an ultimatum. What do you have to say to them? How can they help their men solve that problem and maybe step away from porn? Wow, that's a great question. In fact, because I'm actually speaking to two women right now. Uh, one of them uh, I've spoken to on and off. Her, and There's two different sides of the relationship. One relationship, it's not going well. The husband doesn't feel it's a problem or he does, but either it's too surmountable. He doesn't want to talk to anybody about it. He bought a program, but he's not taking it serious. That relationship does not look like it's going to go well. They've been married for, for a few years. The other one is a younger couple where she brought to the attention one of the Facebook groups I'm in, and I reached out. And I'm actually going to be doing my first coaching session uh, with them together next week. And I applaud any woman who steps up and recognizes it first because it's very hurtful. It's definitely very hurtful. And I hear from women, let me put it back, men do it. And if they're caught, they're like, honey, it's just porn. It's not another woman. But in reality, women almost see it as a bigger betrayal than their husband cheating on them with another woman. That's the feedback that I've gotten and I've heard and from the research that I've shown, which was really fascinating to me because they're like, wow, you, you, you'd rather take an inanimate object and something on, you know, on a screen over me. So that does become more of a betrayal. So it could be very hurtful for women. So for women, the best thing to do that I, that I recommend is maybe go into a Facebook group, find some uh, either sex addiction groups or no fap groups, no PMO groups, read some of the conversations and then start understanding that there is a bigger thing going on here other than looking at it from a personal side of I'm not attracted, you know, he's not attracted to me um, that, it, you know, take it away from it being about you. Mm -hmm. If you're the woman, it is not about you. It absolutely is not about you. It's something that your husband or your partner has come across that has turned into a drug. It would be the same thing as saying, um, you know, if, if your partner gets hooked on heroin and you said, well, it's my fault, my fault, because I'm ugly and I'm not attracted to him and those type of things. That's not the case. They got a taste of something and it turned into a drug and they got addicted to it. So as a woman, again, realize it's not you and it's something with him and have a conversation of, of learning what it's doing. But I definitely think, you know, there's videos, you know, YouTube's always a great place. Just start searching, you know, couples in porn and go that route. But by all means, reach out, I would say to somebody like you or me mm -hmm. and really set up that first conversation. So uh, I, like I tell a lot of men that I work with, listen, you can, do, you can do this on your own. You absolutely can. You don't know. You don't need me. You know, it's, you know, you can go out and play golf too. You don't need a golf coach, but for me, I want to be able to help men change their lives and get off of porn in the matter of weeks or months. 
as opposed to what took me years and decades. So again, you can do this on your own, you can do the research, but really talk to an authority person, specifically somebody that's gone through this or has the studies and the knowledge of it as a female and, and come together as a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, reach out. If you're afraid to approach your, your husband on it, reach out to me or reach out to someone like you and mm-hmm. we can help people how to have that conversation with their partner um, to bring it up so it's non-threatening and so somebody's not feeling like they're being blamed or ashamed or something like that. Yeah, bringing that neutral third party that can diffuse the energy for sure. I'm curious, Bill, do you uh, have any uh, personal experience or stories of like things that happen with you as a result of using porn, how it affected either your relationship or like anything around that? <laughs> Yeah. So again, it, it, it was, it was all negative. Um, that's how it turned, uh, you know, over the, the span of my life, every time I got into the relationship one, you know, it started off, I guess, kind of good because I could go, the erections were strong, but I would be able to go, I could fucking, 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 fuck. Um, and, but not orgasm. So the women thought it was great, mm-hmm. but then it got to the point where I started realizing women were taking it personal to that aspect. Like, well, what is it about me? Why can't you orgasm? You know, what am I doing wrong? And that's, that's when I started thinking, well, it's not you, you're not doing wrong, but you know, it's, it's, it's me, not you, I guess. <laughs> uh, but as it, as it showed up later in life, it really was that, that complete disconnect of arousal and, and libido inside an intimate relationship where everything just hit complete failure that really made me want to change. I had the taste of a relationship. It was a long distance relationship that turned into a year and I really fell in love with this girl. And I thought this could, this could be it. But then the erectile dysfunction, everything sat in. And so we broke up. She thought I was cheating on her. There was so much going on. I'm like, no, on the contrary, I'm like so in love with you, but you're not understanding that sex just doesn't feel like this part of equation because it never has been my whole life. And so, well, you need to get this fixed. So, you know, shame on my behalf. So anyways, we broke up. And it was then when I realized I had a taste of what real intimacy was with another human being. And I knew that I wanted that in my future, that that's what I wanted. That's what people talk about. And I realized porn was never going to serve the future that I wanted. Mm. And that's when I realized I'm going to fix this and get rid of it and had to stop. And so that was that aspect of it. So um, not a particular story, but going back, if we want to talk about fun things, (laughs) because as I said before, I don't regret anything I've done. I've done some of the I, like I say, I've done some of the most wildest and craziest shit sexually and forgotten about than more men really can even ever fantasize about. And that's not a brag. It's not a brag by any means because it fucked me up for a period of time. But I've done some crazy sexual things that are just a good laughable stories. So the one of the best. So how are we on time? Are we good on time? We're, we're, we're getting a little long, but go for it. We want to hear okay. the story. All right. have so, to. <laughs> so where, where it turned from porn to sex was the internet came out. It was a, an admin of the internet. And growing up as a shy guy, this was this whole in the world of being able to connect with women. And in the beginning, it was always like most men, maybe at a bar, more so of aggressive, hey, let's meet up, let's go out. And women always know, I don't feel like it, I'm not comfortable, or beginning sexual talk right away, women getting turned off. And so at the time, I devised the plan, like, what is the quickest way? It was just like porn. Like, what's the quickest way I can start a conversation to closing to getting hooked up? And then it turns to, so how do I do that to the point where I can have a conversation with a girl and have it not be threatening 
in her aspect to where maybe she's intrigued or, 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 or wants to. So the line that I came up with was either during dating sites or chat rooms or whatever it is, I talked to somebody, maybe flirt a little bit and say, would you be open if I shared a fetish with you? And immediately, well, hell yeah, share it with me. And if they said no, okay, I wouldn't take any farther. And the shared the fetish, which was, I have a fetish of being completely naked and masturbating in front of a woman while she sits there fully clothed and watches me. And that worked 90% of the times. It was completely non-threatening. It piqued interest in the female. I took any onus off of, I don't want anything to do with you. And it wasn't so much about the masturbation in front of her. Again, it was a non-threatening way to get with her into a point of a sexual position to where when I'm laying there naked and beginning to masturbate, 90% of the time, the woman gets turned on and wants to join. So hookups were happening all the time like that. Uh, so every once in a while, somebody didn't want to join in. And a couple, a couple of experiences, again, I've got thousands of these that I could tell. And I hate saying thousands, but I think it's true. So a couple of experiences, I walked into a house one day. Um, went supposedly to meet one girl. I was going to jerk off for her. Well, I walk in the door and here's eight women <laughs> in, in, in black gowns and and in masquerade ball uh, glasses on and everything. And I walked right in. I didn't even miss a beat. Like, wow, this doesn't surprise you. Like, no, let's let's have fun. So I walk in. He said, "Okay, sit down." And there's a there's a bar stool in the middle of the living room. And they're like, okay, go for it. Sit there and start. And I look around and then, I mean, just a weird scenario to be in, right? The eight women sitting there watching you dressed to the nines. And then there's this, there's a tape measure or a ruler out on the ground that goes out about seven feet. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and so anyhow, I'm like, who am I to stop? So I sat there and just jerked off in front of these eight women to the point of orgasm, shot my load. By the way, there was a tarp down on the ground. <laughs> and, and then as soon as I was done, scorecards came up. Sevens, eights, nines. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Okay, so, so what was whole, your distance? Yeah, that's what they were looking for. <laughs> uh, Kevin, I don't remember what it was, but it warranted seven, eight, and nine. And, um, I, and, and the, the feedback was, um, the reason I didn't get tens is because I did dry rub and I didn't use a lubricant, uh -huh. but it turns out also the girls who voted, then they had the opportunity to invite me to a swingers party, which I got invited to and I declined. I didn't go, but that's just one amazing scenario. So and one more that, I, one more that I can share. And I know we're rushed on time is, um, uh, went over to a, a girl's house laying by the pool. She actually said, Hey, I've got a couple girlfriends of mine. We're sitting by the pool. And, you know, we want, want you to come over and jerk off for us. Okay, let's go for it. It's on the lunch hour at the company I was at. So I go over and sure shit, women laying around topless. Again, men don't think that this happens. And even <laughs> I, like, does this really happen? This, this shit happens. I mean, stuff happens like this in real life. And so I went around. Some of the girls weren't interested. They stayed on the other side of the pool. There's about five that were all laying in their chairs. And so I went over, over each of their shoulders and started jerking off a little bit. Went back to the girl that I was with and was, was going to shoot, shoot my load under her chest. So I'm standing over her shoulder and I go and fire off my round, shoots right over her and lands in a Dorito bag. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so at the time, MySpace was big, and these girls friended me, and there's all these pictures of Doritos bags all over my MySpace page. So, um, but, I mean, again, crazy experiences. I've had, you know, fivesomes with women on pool tables and group sex. And, again, so a lot of great stuff that I don't want to say I ever regretted because I've done a lot of interesting things, lived a great life. It created resentment, but, but then turned to gratitude when I realized I could help men. Okay, so you know we, we we might have you back on. Like I'm 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 getting this idea now to do a show on like people's craziest sexual experiences <laughs> and stuff because this it would be so entertaining. <laughs> but uh, we do have one last question for you. Okay. Actually, we've got two. Uh, okay. uh, I want to oh, know. I wa- okay. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's going to be a long episode, a long but episode. we're getting some good things. I want to know what is the first step that you recommend doing for anyone listening who watches too much porn and wants to stop. Um, and I will preface it that most of my clients, they can stop, but then they wait like two weeks or 10 days. It's kind of relapse. past that seven days and then they relapse. And it's just mm-hmm. one day and then they keep going. And then, oh, just again, one day. So what what's the first step that you could give them? Yeah, there's there's a couple. One, one, one and two go hand in hand. Acknowledge it and don't feel shame around it for yourself. Just acknowledge it and realize that you're not fucked up, you're not broken, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just like anything else, something's got its hold on you that you're gonna need to, need to figure out how to take care of and get rid of because you've realized it's causing problems in your life. Um, so that's the first one. Next one is, again, reach out to a third-party person. I generally say find a best friend, find somebody and share with them what's going on. And again, if you don't know how to have that conversation, I always tell people, reach out to me. I can tell you how to have open that conversation with a friend and get an accountability partner and begin sharing vulnerability around it. That's where I was rewarded because I shared my story with 20 guys in Arizona as a group of workout friends. And I was rewarded beyond belief when I first shared of what was going on. Hey, I have a sexual arousal dysfunction and I'm not trying to be a victim here, but I'm saying, I'm just letting you know what's going on. This is why uh, uh, my, my girlfriend and I broke up. At that moment, all the guys reached out to me and said, God, I've had similar experiences. I thought I was the only one and all this thing. So share your story. Number one is acknowledge it. Two is share the story. Um, And three is really find a way to start figuring out how to, this sounds so weird, be of service to others. It sounds so far off the task. I always tell people start working on gratitude exercises. And I have a video on my website that talks about take the compliment. And when you start becoming a service to others and accepting and receiving gratitude yourself, your self-worth and your ability to to connect with people starts to grow. And that's the problem one challenge that porn has in general, just with partners, it builds disconnectivity between human beings, with coworkers, with friends and everybody. And so you have to stop porn and find a way to start connecting with people. So you start getting rewarded by that connection with people. Fantastic, Bill. That was awesome. So we have our one last favorite question. This one could get interesting this time. Exactly. (laughs) And then I know that please stay until the end because you have something special for our listeners too that you're going to give them. But before you tell them more about that, Bill, tell us what is your best sexual talent? (laughs) Um, 
God, I, I guess if, if I were to brag, I just would say it would be oral sex. There's nothing more in the, in the world that I love to do than, than to go down on a girl. Um, and I should probably preface that with my fiance, say my fiance. Uh, but again, over the years, and it, and it spun into that. It, it was a talent because I was never able to orgasm from sex. I would bang and bang and bang. So I would actually eventually pull off and go down, start going down on a girl and really reading the cues and understanding what feels good, what doesn't feel good, the right amount of finger pressure. And it's different for everybody, but figuring out what that pressure is for that particular person. So I would say that, that would be my, my number one talent. And um, if my fiance were here, I'd say, I'm sorry, we probably don't do that enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'm glad your talent doesn't include a, or at least require a pool table because that would be very yeah. inconvenient. <laughs> There's never one around when you need one. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Um, so you have something special for our listeners and that you are offering a free coaching session for anyone who is experiencing trouble with porn or quitting and wanting to have that safe space. And you're going to give the first free people who reach out to you. And we're going to put the link down in the description below and maybe just mention the Love Lab. That that's where you heard about Bill. Um, you They're going to get a free coaching session with you. This is a real coaching session? Yes. Not just like, a, oh, I'll, I'll talk to you for five minutes and try to rope you into a program. It's actually going to help <laughs> no. you. <laughs> no, and it, it, I'm glad you bring that up because I'm currently in the process of doing a research study and revamping my entire program. So I'm really wanting to dive in deep with new people and, and figure out, go even farther than I've gone before with this conversation with people. So it's a win-win. I'm going to learn a lot on my conversation with these three people. And I really want to walk away giving them real valid tips beyond what we just talked about that can get them going down the path. Again, it's not a sales pitch to keep going. It, it, I really want to give concrete uh, um, uh, ideas to people that can get them going in return i receive so much from it as well fantastic so if you are struggling with porn and need some support be one of the first three people to reach out to bill because this is going to be the first step to changing your life and if you're not one of the three people and you still want to hear more about bill and know what he's up to tell our listener when they can find more about your work and you Yes, great. Uh, best way is videos on YouTube is Bill Ranshaw is where they can find me, R-A-N-S-H-A-W. My website is also BillWilderment.com. I'm sorry, BillWilderment.org, uh, B-I-L-L-W-I-L-D-E-R-M-E-N-T.org. And I'm assuming you're going to have that on there as well. We will. Um, and anybody can email me as well at Bill at BillWilderment.org. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Bill, for being on the show, talking about your personal experience, even telling us a few very funny stories. <laughs> I think what we accomplished today could be really, really helpful because I know just from my own personal experience coaching men that this is such a huge issue and so many people need some help and guidance around this. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. You guys have been fantastic. I hope to come back and do a longer session on some other topics. Awesome. Thank you, Bill. All right, everybody, that's all the time we have for this episode, and we'll see you next week. We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at CelineRemy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing.